0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to the second stage with your hosts Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success, and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second stage. Uh, this is Brendan Anderson. Jeff Cadlick is actually uh, off. Uh, Doing a little uh, education, learning about the, the Colby um, assessment uh, tool that, uh, that we talk about in EOS periodically. Um, I uh, we're excited to get into the show. First, though, if you want to reach us, uh, reach us at at Evolution underscore CP on Twitter, uh, or uh, email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com and then and um, then. Uh, to join the discussion i guess is on twitter uh it's a uh, hashtag the second stage and uh i uh, would like to welcome ali harding uh to the to the program ali is uh one of the partners at orange kiwi llc we we'll the have to figure out where that name camp comes from it's a firm that provides assessment tools training and consulting to low and mid-market advisors and owners in understanding and leveraging the psychology of exits uh for bottom line success. website is uh, www.planfortransition.com. Allie is a consultant researcher and currently completing her PhD in uh, business psychology at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. Uh, Her research is focused on the um, psychological dynamics that owners experience related to the inevitable business exit. I mentioned she's a partner at the firm. Um, and uh we without further ado uh Allie Harding. Allie, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: I uh you know it's amazing. I was kind of flipping through your white paper and and some of the things that uh that you, that you and your partner are working on and uh maybe you know it, it it's amazing. People know they're going to need to exit. They know they're, you know, they need various things through life and uh it's amazing, I guess when you really stop and think about it how few of us actually prepare for those those coming uh, events.
2: Yeah, that's that's really true. When you're starting a business, you never think about the the exit from the business, or very rarely, unless you're in the tech space and you're serious serial entrepreneur. But that's not the vast majority of business owners.
1: I saw one of the statistics on some of the papers that she, that, that uh, you guys had. It said uh, the way I was doing my math, you said that, <laughs> that there that there was seventy to eighty percent of businesses never get sold and out of the ones that do get sold, kind of 78% of them report a kind of a, a negative experience or just or kind of an unsatisfactory experience, that means that like 4 to 6% of um, business owners are happy with an exit?
2: <laughs> well, uh, it, yeah, so when you go back and do the statistics, statistics and extrapolate backwards, it gets a little bit awkward. I've never actually done the math the way you just did it. I'll have to give <laughs> that a run. But in general, of the vast majority of businesses that are started, um, you're right. Seventy, 80% will never sell. Some of them just aren't sellable. But even of the ones that are sellable, about 30% of them actually are able to go through the transaction. And within a year, 78% of those owners are dissatisfied. And it has a lot to do with how entrepreneurs, business owners are wired,
1: and we'll get into that. in a second. I mean, I I think the average person and the average business owner, you know, regardless yeah. of what age or whatever, is probably sitting out there just kind of shaking their head, saying, "There's, there's no way." I mean, there's no way right. I'm not prepared. But maybe get get into uh, you know, kind of how do the owners resist preparing for the exit? Like maybe some of the symptoms.
2: Sure. Well, I think probably the most common way is that they're so busy doing what they're really, really good at and that's building their business, that um, planning for an event that might not happen 10, 15, 20 years down the road really doesn't make it to the top of their list, especially when they're caught in um, what we call the tyranny of the urgent, putting out the day-to-day staffing issues or trying to close the next deal or dealing with you know, accounting issues or any other business cycle issue, staff, any other business cycle issue that comes up on a regular basis drains a whole bunch of their time and attention and focus so when they do you know once or twice a year they'll probably have an advisor say we should really talk about exit plan it's really in your best interest it goes on the list but it it keeps getting bumped down so delay is is one of the big reasons denial is another one i don't know if you are familiar with sumner redstone he's um, founder ceo viacom 92 yep. years old, right? hmm Amazing guy, brilliant. But at 92 years old, running a company is a little bit more of a challenge than he probably, you know, was happy about handling. Um, but he still wasn't ready to let go. So he, his whole exit strategy was that he was going to live forever. And so his family challenged his mental competency in court, and they settled out of court, but now there's a huge family fight over control of Viacom. So denial that exit is inevitable is another reason, and then deception. And this is that's kind of a loaded word. But what I mean by that is it, it's more self-deceptional or being misguided. They business owners are. I mean, these are really brilliant people. About. 30, you know, the 30% of people who are able to build a saleable business or the 0.16% that actually reach the um, upper mid to upper market and have wildly successful businesses are incredibly gifted at strategy or bringing in the right people to help them build strategy and filling in their gaps. But the challenge is that they don't, because they've never exited before, they don't know what they don't know. And so they're misguided into believing that a will of trust or an estate plan or, um, you know, having their number, telling their number, two, this is what I want you to do um, if something sudden happens to me and I'm not available to run the business. Um, they're they're um, deceived, either, you know, most often self-deceived, into believing that their exit is covered. So those are, I'd say those are the three big um, Reasons, and they all start with D, just to make it a little bit easier. So, delay, denial, and deception.
1: <laughs> so, so when somebody, it's funny because you know we, we get we blessed to deal with a lot of wonderful business uh, owners, and sometimes the businesses really aren't sellable in their current yeah. state, and and so the business owner is. is uh, you know, kind of shocked by the fact that they get to the point where they've, you know, they feel like they've built a business, it's generating revenue, it's generating profits. And then they go to sell and people are like, well, God, you know, you don't really have anything here. And th- that's one shocker. And then the other shocker that I'm continuously amazed with when I deal with uh, some of these wonderful people and you know, the entrepreneurs organization or we meet on this show is that they did have a wonderfully successful exit, you know, 40, 50, a hundred million dollars or more and, more, and, they're, and they're depressed. I mean, so it's yeah. I may maybe kind of jumping all over the place, but you know, is you know, when you in your studies, is it is it both of those people, or is it more the ones that aren't able to get a, a successful exit?
2: Yeah, it's both of them, but for very different reasons. Um, so let me take your first example: the ones that think they've built a wildly successful business um, uh, may just have a lifestyle business that's generated great income from them. Say they they hit the five million dollar a year. Um, revenue mark and it's a great lifestyle business but they haven't all the the, the tacit knowledge and all the relationships and all the processes kind of lives in their head and they haven't really built that value into their business they haven't built a management team around them so that the business is healthy and can thrive when they leave well as you know that doesn't make the business as valuable to the world as it does to the owner in addition when we build something, it's a part of us, and we see ourselves in it. So not only is our DNA transferred to it, but we attach an emotional premium to it, and that's a value that the world just doesn't honor it the same way that we feel it. So they get really surprised, and some of them get really, um, at a very emotional level, very challenged. And so it's difficult for them. Even if they figure it out early enough and they can have somebody come in, it, it takes a real to be able to work with an owner's psychology and help them move beyond their own limitations and expand, you know, blow the lid out of that box and start to build value into their business in new ways, mostly because they've never done it before and what they've done in the past has worked in the past and they've never experienced this phase of the organizational life cycle. So that's that's that one end of your spectrum. And then the other one that you described was business owners who are wildly successful they can sell it for 50 100 150 million dollars and yet within 12 months the research will tell us 78% are dissatisfied for those owners men and women you essentially they've they've um, lived out their passion and what they're wired to do and and how how they get fulfill, fulfillment and satisfaction in the world. And they've traded that now for money. And managing money is not nearly as thrilling or exciting as managing the um, challenges that come at them in business. And their whole, their whole world and paradigm changes. Relationships change. What they do on a daily basis, it changes. And more fundamentally, their identity changes. And so a lot of them go through... Um, a, a real uncertainty about who they are and how they engage the world.
1: I think so many of the, the entrepreneurs that they really created a business that was sold, and, I, and I have, I'm in a wonderful forum group, and, and uh, those guys that are in that forum group listening, or, or, or gals, uh, you know, they probably know who they are. They all assumed that they would be able to do it again, that they figured yeah. that they would sell, they would have this money, they would take six months off, they would go on a vacation, and then they would start it again. And they, and I think for whatever reason, they're just shocked that they can't just start it again. Whether it's a lack of commitment, lack of an idea, lack of energy—you know—I mean, it's just—it's amazing how hard it is to do it again.
2: Yeah, and you know that's actually pretty common. I was just on the phone with somebody um, actually earlier today that was struggling with that very issue, and uh, that there's a spectrum. I, there's no one. There's no one silver bullet that's ever going to fix something like that. It's very personalized, and so uh, the the uh, it was a gentleman I was talking to this morning. is young. He's in his early fifties, incredibly gifted, incredibly skilled, was smart to sell given the industry he was in. Um, it, it was definitely the right time because there's a lot of consolidation, and he was able to exit the top of the market. But he didn't take the time to really figure out. What his life was going to be like afterwards, he had a concept, but once golf got boring, the vacation got boring, he didn't have a plan. and a lot of these guys are really used to having some type of plan, whether it's written down or just in their head because a lot of them are so intuitive. he and he had nothing and he had he had very um, few people that he could talk to. So I think for the gentlemen that you just described that are in your forum group forum group, Um, If they are all at the same time, talking with owners who have gotten out of that place or finding executive coaches who can help ask some really insightful questions is probably the best answer, but there's no silver bullet to solving that challenge
1: it is it is amazing cuz uh, you know there's a couple of people we've interviewed that they you know get a you know they get a call out of nowhere and, and this is obviously on the second the second way and they you know get 48 million dollars and they and they you know kind of feel like they're backed into a corner that it's a big buyer and they sell and then they're kind of like wait a minute you know I gave away everything i everything i really enjoyed doing and it's uh, it is uh, it is very interesting um I will, uh, maybe we take a quick break here. I'd like to uh, take a uh, thank our sponsors, RSM LLP, the former McGladry of uh, the accounting people. Um, They're a leader provider of assurance tax consulting service focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 cities. Um, again, uh, if anybody wants to uh, reach out to us uh, or listen or download this, uh, go to Voice, of America, Voice America Talk Radio, uh, voiceamerica.com. Uh, or the second stage, uh, hashtag the second two nd stage, um, and uh, with that we'll come back um, with Ali and uh, learn about the um, the five entrepreneurial strengths um, and how that those play into the exit process. We'll be back uh, in a couple minutes with the second stage.
3: What's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice TRN. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of. A team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting.
0: If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best. Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the second stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to one 866 472 5790 That's one 866 472 5790 Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
1: Welcome back to the second stage. We're here with Allie Harding who's a partner of Orange Kiwi LLC. Um, Allie, if, if people wanted to reach you, is the best way to get, is the best way the website uh, uh, plan for transition.com? Yeah, that's probably
2: be the best way, or just my name, Allie, at OCKiwi.com.
1: Oh, perfect. And, and um, the Orange Kiwi, before we get into more, uh, more exciting or more uh, kind of uh, um, uh, transitional issues, uh, Orange Kiwi came from, from what, uh, how did that name come about? Sure.
2: Well, we're not fruit sellers. So we'll start there. I was born and raised in Orange County, California. My partner was born and raised in New Zealand. So you smush that together and you get an orange kiwi.
1: Okay. And there is actually a fruit called an orange kiwi. Is that true? No, Or am not. I making that up? Or there's an orange, there's an orange kiwi? Or is there oh, a kiwi that looks orange or am I making that up?
2: Uh, you're making that up. Other than okay, on good. our business
1: cards. Good. All right. Good. Maybe that's what, maybe when I Googled it before. I'm like, okay, cool. You all right, those see the,
2: it on our business card. It, that when you Google it, it does come up as the image, so that's
1: right, quite way so, got it. Uh, I will not pass any fruit um, uh, tests, but sir. <laughs> hey, bef- before we jump into the five entrepreneurial strengths, maybe get go through the kind of the stages of of a various exit. I know that's uh, that's something that people are probably wondering out there.
2: Sure, and I'm just going to rip it off right from um, one of my favorite authors, Bo Burlingham, who's um, just an amazing guy. He's done a lot of. Uh, research with business owners in this area, he wrote a book called Finish Big, How Great Entrepreneurs Exit Their Business on Top. He describes um, four stages that I think align really, really well. One is exploratory, and that's where you're asking a lot of questions about who am I without my business? What, what values um, do I care about? What do I want for my business? What type of exit do I want? And these are all kind of interior life questions. And then you move from that stage into the strategic. And the strategic is really the, the um, technical questions around um, how do I want to structure my business exit? What do I need to do today to make my business exit ready from, a, from an organizational development perspective? What type of sale do I want? Do I want all cash? Do I want you know carry a little bit of paper? Do I want a strategic investor? How, how do I want to exit my business? And once you have that strategy and you go to market, then all of a sudden you enter the ex- execution phase. And this execution phase is where the transaction is happening. And then the fourth stage is what Bo refers to as transition. And this happens after the execution is complete, after the sale documents are signed and closed, after you've had the celebration dinner. That's when the owner starts to transition into their new normal. So what you, the question you posed to me right before break about entrepreneurs who had been wildly successful and exited on top now have this quandary of what do I do? And a lot of them, um, using Bose's model, wouldn't have gone through a robust exploratory phase. So my number one recommendation for owners who are in their business, whether they're thinking about exit or not, is to at least go through an exploratory phase and figure out if you got that offer you can't refuse, what would you do? and what would that look like
1: That's and so hey, then, wait,
2: go ahead
1: Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, please. No,
2: no, no I was just I was going to jump into the strengths cuz I think
1: um it helped well, Let me Let me ask one little question. Bit. Is there in those in those phases cuz I I would yeah. I would ask a it, when I heard you, I remember Bo and for the listeners there that we do have a we did talk to Bo and who's a wonderful supporter of all small businesses everywhere and you know in his organization uh, small giant community, which is uh, another one if you haven't looked into it please do um, it, it, you know when you, when you think about those those phases it's interesting when when we as as evolution work with an entrepreneur you know they've done some exploring we do a strategic you know we're kind of you know we're, we're looking at a deal
3: yeah. and
1: it's almost like the that that execution phase from where evolution sits is the hardest one be, at least because i think they, they they feel like it's kind of a romantic thing when you're exploring and then you're doing the strategic thought and all of a sudden the execution phase comes along and it's and it's you know i think people feel like they're getting this big uh you know, like there's a there's a doctor you know examining every piece of this thing that they created and you know being critical and i'm just curious is do yeah. you see that too that that's a that that's a that third stage is a pretty brutal uh, unexpected time
2: yeah, and whether they're prepared for it or not, it's, it's probably more brutal than they expect, but, um, and I, we'll jump into this probably in a little bit, but there are indicators, and it, it's tied to, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. There's so much research out there on entrepreneurs that helps us understand them, and yet they're such a rare breed. We're really just learning how to work with their, their strengths and really help them get through that execution well.
1: Okay, so, yeah, I, I I love that stuff. Um, it, it's just amazing to watch, you know, kind of that that thing. Maybe uh, me, uh, all right. I apologize. Yeah. I interrupted you on the five entrepreneurial strengths.
2: That's okay. Um, no worries. So the five strengths, and so tons of research out there on entrepreneurs going back over the last thirty years have confirmed five strengths pretty consistently, um, and they're almost no-brainers. The first one's a high, they have a high tolerance for risk. The moment. They step into their business. They're putting time, money, reputation, they're putting everything on the line to make this business successful. They have to have a high tolerance for risk. The next is ambiguity. Business owners are constantly dealing with the unknown. Every With every milestone in their business that they achieve, they hit another set of uncharted obstacles or uncharted waters and they live in a world of ambiguity constantly and with each cycle that they go through where they realize not knowing isn't as bad as they thought it was going to be, it gets easier for them to tolerate ambiguity they don't need to have everything sorted out and that's partially because of the third one and that's a high um, ability to innovate or they have high innovativeness and their ability to um, find new, creative, brilliant solutions that nobody ever thought of. Their ability to um, think in the moment and to inspire others to try new things and to go new places really helps them transcend what many, where many of us would get stuck with both risk and ambiguity. So those three really, really work together. And the fourth one is goal achievement. Entrepreneurs would not be who they are if they weren't constantly trying to exceed the bar that they set for themselves or that somebody else tried to set for them. If the business down the street that's a competitor did X percent, they want to do 10X. They're never satisfied with the status quo and they're always trying to achieve the next goal. And the fifth one is probably the most um, difficult and that's control. They have a high need for control, or what we call an internal loci of control. And owners believe that they can actually control their own destiny, and it's amazing how many of them, for the vast majority of their careers, are able to. Um, and that, that need for control, when when you run into that um, at the point of exit, is, is something that kind of lies under the surface and um so what you just described when people are poking and and prodding into their business entrepreneurs have made that business work and it works because of their secret sauce and the way they've done things and so when people come in you can't always explain it through hard facts or hard numbers and so the, the business owner tends to try to figure out how does he navigate this internal tension and still meet the needs of the prospective buyers does
1: that make sense? It makes a lot of sense to me I, I just I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking of all the people and all people we're either working with or you know they're friends, friends of ours, and it's, it's amazing yeah. out of those out of those um, strengths, which yeah. ones are the most I mean like people and I assume that, that, that you and I know you, you have some tools you've developed and so forth. Is it trying to figure out who's high in, in, in certain strengths and, and low that tries to decide what, what they need or which ones tend to have the hardest? time transitioning, or is that is that too simple?
2: Um, no, it's not necessarily too simple, but those five strengths um, actually lead to certain behaviors. So those, those are really characteristics, um, and they're measurable, um, but they don't really tell us as much about um, their ability to exit as their behaviors. Okay. So when we think about four co- behaviors that really correspond with these strengths and how they might provide an indication of an owner's ability to exit or who would struggle more with exit is probably a good way to look at it. Um, There's four of those. So the first is self-awareness. And that's um, it's kind of self-explanatory, but it's our ability to monitor our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and then mindfully respond to the world. So are we aware of ourselves and and the lens that we're looking at the world through? And the second one is work-life balance. Um, So Business owners, if they're completely consumed in their business and it's their everything, and they don't have a life, a social life outside their business, um, exit looks a whole lot different because there's a cliff at the end, um,
3: sure. and that
2: and and that's that's pretty daunting, and they don't they don't often recognize that on a if they have particularly if they have low self-awareness. The third one is a little bit more difficult to understand, and that's. Role-identity fusion. That's the concept of my social self or who I am as an individual outside of my business role and then my identity or my role identity as business owner. For some people, those are very distinct, and they can move between both worlds, and the lines really aren't too blurred. They have really good role-identity separation. For others, um the business is who they are, and their role identity and their self-identity are fused, and it's almost impossible for them to look at the world through any other lens other than who they are as the owner of their business. And the majority of owners fall somewhere along that continuum. And then the fourth one is is just flat-out resilience, post-exit resilience. What internal capacity does this owner have to build a life of significance and satisfaction beyond their business? So those four things are really, really good indicators for whether or not somebody's going to fail through this process, even if they're a little tweaked during execution, or if they're going to get to execution and then fall back in love with their business.
1: Wow, I uh, when uh, we get back from next break, I, I do want to dig into that a little more and try to figure out how you determine you know these behaviors and who has them and who doesn't because it's uh, you know especially like the the self awareness one is amazing because you get to know people and it's just it's uh, it's uh, you just it's hard to tell who's who's got that. But uh, yes. we are on with um with Ali Harding, uh, who is um is uh, with uh, Orange Kiwi and um. Uh, we will uh, be back here in a couple minutes on the second stage.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television?
1: Let us surprise you.
0: Visit VoiceAmerica.tv
3: today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7. This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McLaddery member.
2: on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.
0: Your favorite Voice America talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's one 472 5790 Or send an email to the Second Stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
1: Welcome back to The Second Stage. It's Brendan Anderson. Jeff Cadlick is out and about uh, learning about the... Uh, about the Colby test, and uh, we 're on with uh, Allie Harding, partner of the or- of Orange Kiwi LLC, a firm that provides assessment tools, training, and consulting to low and mid market advisors and owners in understanding and leveraging the psychology of exits for bottom line success, which I, I, you know I, I beg people to take this stuff seriously and uh, it's uh, you know it, it's amazing how often um, you know when when people decide to exit it's uh, you know it's too late to plan some of the stuff through. But um, Allie, maybe uh, talk just briefly about in the um, in the behaviors. Uh, talk about kind of how you guys decide um, you know where 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 people are strong and weak and um, and kind of what to do about it.
2: Yeah. So um, one of the things that we recognized um, in Working with business owners is um, is that those four behaviors um, are super important. But how do you measure them? So I went looking for um, you know through the research. That's kind of how my brain works. So I went looking to find something that exists. Why bother? Why bother inventing the wheel if you can find it um, already built and. Um, There are a number of tools out there, but none of them that really measured um, these behaviors for entrepreneurs. So we built an assessment that's available to owners um, free, and they can go ahead online and take it um, at our website, and it gives them an indication real-time, an overall score of their readiness for exit.
1: How long does that take to do, and and how do owners react when they see that sort of thing? (laughs)
2: That, well, that second question gets really interesting. So <laughs> it, takes, it takes about 10 to 12 minutes. Um, and owners tend to have um, pretty interesting reactions. It's, um, you know, it's a normal population, so the ones that are um, very ready to exit and get a great score feel really good about it. And interestingly enough, most of the ones who get a low score um, aren't all that surprised, even if they don't like it. And the ones in the middle, it's a mixed bag. Um, some of them, you know, see their score and go, "Okay, what do I do about it?" And others, um, unfortunately, go into denial.
1: We, we see that denial in business owners a lot for a lot of different things. <laughs> that's yeah. another, that's another five shows. Tell me the consequences of of resisting. You know, I I just don't want to listen. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm I'm uh, you know I'm I'm summer red redstone and I can uh, be a, you know be 155 years old and handle this. What, what's the what's the consequences?
2: Right. So um, the number one consequence uh, I'm sure you've seen in your work is that the business is unprepared. If the owner is unprepared, uh, I'll guarantee you the business isn't. The systems, processes, policies, they, they all live in the owner's head, and that tacit knowledge isn't accept, uh, accessible in the event of an unplanned transition, and it takes a considerable amount of time to build that into a business. So the business valuation that they get at sale is greatly diminished. And then, so let's, let's let us exit aside. Even if the owner um, isn't, exits way in the future and they're not thinking about it today, if they're not prepared to exit, some of their behaviors that they'll naturally lean into typically will mean that the business isn't being maximized and that they're the limiter. So because you can... No matter how many times we would go in to work with businesses as general management consultants, we would go in and do a ton of work. And while we were there and could consistently coach the the executive, whatever level we got that executive to, that's the level the business would stay at. So our number one goal was always to drive that into a strong management team so that the potential of the business, business is maximized. Otherwise, they're leaving money on the table. Flat out, money on the table that they could be maximizing today and putting it in their own pocket.
0: Can I assume but,
1: that? In, 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 okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, because I, I, I was no. going to get into the whole, you know, just attracting great people and so forth. I assume that they would want to know how that, w- what the plans are, wouldn't they?
2: Um, when you say attracting great people, do you mean management team or do you mean buyers?
1: Uh, I meant management team, kind of, you know, yeah. even if you wanted to own it forever, I assume that the, that there's that there'd have to be some part of a plan to in, include people in in some sort of growth or transition.
2: Yeah, and you so bu- businesses with high turnover, um, you're not keeping great management team, and that is certainly indicative of an owner that, on our test, would probably score low. Management teams are drawn to vision, but you can only get. So far, in charisma. In order for them to do their job well, everybody wants to do a good job. In order for them to do their job well, they have to know where the business is going. So, to your point, I agree a hundred percent. A well-structured, well-oiled, um, professionally managed business is going to attract better talent and retain it.
1: So, I, I think one of the one of the things that in a lot of the entrepreneurial conferences. Um, that people say and that you know mean a lot to me but i don't think a lot of entrepreneurs take it seriously is you know run your run your business every day like you're going to sell it whether you're whether you want to or not and because all the best practices the 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 things that a buyer would look for to be documented and in the v rooms and the management team and and all the things that 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 people would look for are, are are drivers of value, but they're also fundamentally business best practices. I mean, and they're things that 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 help businesses grow. Even if you want to, you know, be like a European family that's going to own it for the next two or three hundred years.
2: <laughs> that is true, huh? Um, about the European families that <laughs> brought a castle to mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just, I mean, in a lot of ways it seems like common sense best practice businesses. But when we're dealing, and, and so I think what we're talking about really is probably to in market, privately or closely held businesses that um, they do, it's like any other psychological phenomenon. You keep um, operating in that system and that pattern because somehow it's paying off for you. There's something that's working. So for entrepreneurs, oftentimes formalizing a business requires them to go against some of their natural wiring. All of a sudden, innovativeness feels constrained in systems and processes. Their tolerance for ambiguity, remember, they don't have to have everything worked out. But in order for the business to scale, a business doesn't do well in ambiguity. A business as a living system doesn't do well. Management teams don't do well. So these, these best practice business concepts for a privately or closely held business, are antithetical to how the owner is wired, and it takes a really self-aware owner to be able to build a bridge to that new world.
1: So, so is that is that why owners resist, or are there? I mean, is is it is it just a wiring thing, or are there other reasons that people don't that don't embrace the, the, the concept of, of of this transition?
2: Um. Well, I, I'm always careful never to use always. <laughs> <laughs> right, hasty generalizations get us in trouble. But um, for if we're talking about entrepreneurial owners, wiring is, is going almost always, almost always going to be uh, a key component. So if it's if it's not their wiring, then it may be. So if you're alluding to skills and abilities, it could be that they they don't know what they don't know, and it's always worked. Does that make sense?
1: No, it does, and and it's uh, you know quite frankly we experience that a lot when we you know we'll sit down with a with a management team and an entrepreneur and we'll we'll spend months or you know long weeks you know kind of creating a plan and. And saying, let's uh, you know, let's put some capital in, and let's get the entrepreneur back doing what they, you know, the their 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 true uniques and the things that they do the best every day. And they're all excited about it. And um, and you know, we're 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 got a, got it got a written out, got the plan, got we're hiring people, we've got great great stuff, great motive, you know, great kind of momentum. And then uh, the first little hiccup in any little deal, even if it's you know, say we got lots of cash in the balance sheet, and that's you know, it doesn't really affect you know. I mean, obviously, nobody likes a hiccup, yeah. but you know, entrepreneurs love to just go back to the thing you know, the the they they have a common denominator that they go back to, and they they feel comfortable, and they feel like you know, it's it's that thing that they've always done to be successful, which you know may or may not be the thing that's going to get them to the to the scale if that's what they've chosen to do, which is typically. Um, which is typically, you know, why they would, why they would work with us. So that's a, that's a, it's an interesting uh, part of it, I would say. Um, So, you know, a big part of it, and we may not be able to get all through this, all this entirely through break, but, or get all this done before break is, you know, so you guys are in the business of helping um, entrepreneurs think this through and work it through. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, how, how do you, how do you guys do that? And, and, and given the fact of the owner's wiring and, and and their resistance, and you know, how is it that some advisors, that kind of a traditional advisor, may work against um, that that entrepreneurial wiring?
2: Yeah, um, that is a great question. So sometimes, um, unfortunately, advisors um, they're they're also you know business owners or business operators, if they work in a larger firm and they have systems and processes and ways of doing things that are um, advisor-centric, meaning they're built to work for the advisor. Unfortunately, oftentimes, those systems and processes um, don't fit well for an owner. Um, So uh, let me talk about the owners who are really successful. I mean, sorry, the advisors that are really successful. Those are the guys who really under or gals, who really understand how an entrepreneur is wired. And so we just recently did a, um, a talk on um, how owners, we, we as advisors or consultants, um, would like owners to behave more like dogs. Dogs are incredibly loyal, they sit, they stay, they heal, they take commands, and they love that you're their master. Cats, on the other hand, want to be the master. Cats are, um, you know, they're aloof and they're discerning and they're going to do things when they want and how they want. And owners are wired much more like cats. So getting their attention and and triggering what we call their intrinsic or internal motivation is much more difficult than our systems are created to do. Our systems are created to trigger the motivation of um, more... You know, for comparing us, ourselves to dogs, which don't take that wrong, but their condition, our systems are built for people to respond positively. Owners, on the other hand, think about, think about a cat, and if you want to get a cat's attention, take a laser pointer and run it all over. You stimulate their, their curiosity and their natural wiring, and all of a sudden they are actively engaged. So when we see successful advisors who are able to get owners to plan, it's because they've figured out, how to work with an owner's innovativeness and natural curiosity and how to build in um, the concept of valuation or business, building business value or um, exit into their normal processes so the owners are constantly receiving value from the advisor. Does
3: that make sense?
1: It does. It just sounds very, very hard. I got to be on. Yeah, but but I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll be able to to help me out with that. When uh, we're on with the uh, Harding at the uh, Orange Kiwi, we are uh, going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into a little more about uh, what we can do today to uh, make sure that we we maximize value, reach our goals, and uh, get our company where we want it to get. So uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes on the second stage.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
3: This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry. Assurance. Tax. Consulting.
1: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are tuned into The Second Stage, to reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to
1: The Second Stage. We're on with uh, Allie Harding. And we're uh, about to learn about what you, as a business owner, can do—kind of start doing today—to kind of prepare for the for this uh, for this exit event that all of us will have to go through. Um, Allie, maybe uh, kind of touch on touch on some of the things that you found about uh, for, you know uh, what entrepreneurs should be doing now.
2: Sure, no problem. Um, so, owners, I think that um, entrepreneurs, owners—we use that term interchangeably. I think. Um, the most important thing that they can do for themselves and their business is step off the treadmill for just a little bit. Um, the tyranny, the urgent, constantly putting out fires, that, uh, that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for generative thinking. And so just taking the time, take a time out and step off the treadmill and start to consider your business from an organizational life cycle perspective meaning you went through a startup phase, you're at a growth growth phase, recognizing that every business, um, it's like every organism, has a choice. It's either going to get infused with new nutrients and new resources that it needs to grow, or it'll eventually diminish. If you want to avoid that and stay in a place of predictable success, then um, taking the time out to really look at your business and what's required each phase is important, and in that process, take the time to really think about exit and to design a personal exit plan, not, not just for your business and what's required there, but um, ask yourself the miracle question. If I won the lottery tomorrow and had all the money I ever needed, what would I do? Most business owners would say, get up and go to work. Um, But let's assume you chose not to do that. What would life look like? And then the other one is that you have to ask yourself in that moment is if I got hit by a bus really concretely, and this is where owners need to be really specific, what would happen the next day? And if your answer is I don't know, then my strongest recommendation is to hit pause and find some third-party expertise who can ask you those reflective questions to help you walk through that process be good for you personally as an owner and for your business, it would be amazing how much more vital your business activities can even be once you start thinking that way and taking regular time out. And for um, owners, we recommend, you know, start once a month, and when we say that, they usually do it once a quarter. If we can get four times a year out of them, we're pretty happy. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of time. And then as as they start to see some of the rewards from just stepping off the treadmill for a few minutes, I'm always encouraged by the majority of them, and it is a majority, who are able to um, uh, continue in that process because they, they do see the value in it. Now, for some, they start to look inside, and it's really scary, and they don't come back for a long time until some crisis happens. But for the vast majority, they are able to do that hard work, and we always say that um, doing this work isn't for the faint of heart, so reading. And um, theres a, I'm sure, um, Brendan, you have a list of books that you could recommend to your um, readers, but there's a couple of them that are really important. And the book we talked about earlier, Bo Burlingham's Finish Big, is a really good one to get started with. And then another one is um, Patrick Lencioni has some really good work around competitive advantage and the importance of building a robust management team. Um, so those are two that I'd recommend. So just trying to read and starting to learn what they don't know. Um, recognize that we all have gaps. Um, and then just giving them the opportunity to think of it as an entrepreneurial challenge. And think of, um, think of the concept of exit or transition or succession, whatever term you want to use, as your ultimate success. And if you, if you were to design your ultimate success and you want to control your exit so it doesn't control you, how would you envision it? How would you dream it? What would it look like? And just start to build a vision for your life going through this transition phase. And then the, the other thing is, Brennan, what your organization is probably good at is helping um, network owners together and let owners start talking with each other and... Um, start to be able to um, I mean, normalize. I know that's not a very fun word, but just start to normalize this as a, as a it's inevitable but it doesn't have to be um, a really negative thing. It could be a really positive thing.
1: And no, I, and, and that's, uh, the network thing is fantastic. I love that idea. Um, what, what, so go those ahead, those I'm sorry. I, I was going to ask you for the time frame on this whole thing, but go ahead if you have some other suggestions.
2: No, no, that's okay. That's, that was my recommendation.
1: So, so like, give me an idea of the average owner, you know, when, when you talk about stepping off the treadmill and so forth, how long does this take? Is this, you can you get this done in a week or is this a five-year journey or a ten-year journey or how long does it, you know, how long do you have to kind of set this time aside and think this stuff through?
2: Sure. So getting started and um, most owners require somebody else to do it with, um, even if it's just another owner and a framework that they want to build together, um, but you can Start. the the critical step is the first taking the first step, and you can do it in two or three hours. Just step off two or three hours, and um, another metaphor: how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Just take a bite.
0: Are,
1: you, are those two or three hours? Are you with somebody else? Is this a you're calling your accountant, your lawyer, a good friend, and a, <laughs> a fellow business owner, or are you at the coffee shop by yourself? Um. We're all the above. I would
2: say, yeah it could be <laughs> all the above um really skilled executive coaches are a good resource um some exit planners who really get it are a good resource um your accountants i know i mean there's a few that are really really good at it um but the majority of accountants but the challenge, and I love advisors, I love lawyers, I love accountants, but the challenge of going to just one is they're going to look at it through the silo of their own discipline because that's where their skill set lies. So the key there is go to your advisor and find out um, if they know somebody who can help you think broadly and holistically if it's not them because it's a, the, the psychology of the owner and you personally is really important as are all the technical aspects of your exit. But for visioning, an executive coach, a good friend who's been there, another business owner who's been there, probably couldn't get any better than that.
1: I, you know, I mention this a ton on on these on our shows, but you know, groups like YPO and EO and Vistage and you yeah. know, there's uh, um, um, groups like Small Giants and um, Surge and some of these other, you know, they they really are. Uh, just wonderful, wonderful people that that have just the best intention, and and it's always a if you have a little bit longer time horizon where you know you just want to kind of get to know people, it's a it's a great way to do it. Also, the um um the, um from so f- and and I assume that if, you know that most entrepreneurs and I guess is a, they they would they would kind of dip their toe in, so they're kind of asking their friends and asking or or how do you or do they do they just jump in? and They kind of pick the pick up the phone and call call somebody.
2: Most often, the first call is to an advisor. So, really? Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, um, it, oddly enough, even the research supports that. But it's to some type of advisor, and they'll make some kind of comment, maybe even their annual, say, you know, I heard so-and-so sold their business, or um, I-, I need to think about this, or the advisor will bring it up. Um, so um, that's usually... That, that's a, that's a first call, and if you we're really lucky the advisors switched on and they can give them some good next steps. Um, but other than that, yeah, if they're not in a network like you described and the, the ones you described are fabulous, um, then they're probably going to talk to a friend.
1: Hey Ali, for for your business, um, and we got about a minute left. For your business, is I mean, could an entrepreneur just reach out to you and 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 say, "Hey, here's my situation. You know, can I talk to you, or or, or how how's the best way to reach you? Because it sounds like you would be a great resource to at least you know let them know whether you could help them or not."
2: Yeah, um, so they can reach out to us, and um, we're networked with a wide variety of advisors who who use our assessments and tools and are trained. To work with owners and as well as executive coaches, so we can get them connected. Our work with owners um, one-on-one is really limited, and we're pretty selective about that. We generally work through other advisors.
1: Okay, no, that's that's fantastic. Well, Ali, I really appreciate your time, and and I and I love the subject, and I, I look forward to kind of following your work, and uh, we really appreciate your you know you spent an hour with us on the second stage, and uh, we thank everybody for tuning in, and um, w- as we always conclude the the show, uh, please keep the passion for possibilities. Thank you very much for tuning into the second stage. <laughs>
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.